If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. The title of my message this morning is One of a Kind. One of a kind. You know, some things in life are unique. They are one of a kind. For example, your fingerprints. Did you know that, you probably knew this, no one in the whole of the world's population has the same fingerprints you have. You know that. If nothing else, you watch enough crime dramas on TV to know that, right? Your fingerprints are unique. Another thing that's unique in life is snowflakes. You know this. They say, I don't know how they determine this, you know. That would be, I need to look that up on YouTube. That'd be a great YouTube video, right? How do you examine the pattern of snowflakes before they melt? But they tell us no two snowflakes. Think of all the billions and billions of snowflakes it takes to create a snowstorm all over the world. No two snowflakes have the same pattern. Well, I want to share with you this morning for a few minutes about something else that is one of a kind, something else that is unique. We're talking, of course, about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, when you think about it, it's quite remarkable that uh, such a fuss, such a... Uh, celebration is made over the birth of one baby boy in an obscure village 2,000 years ago. I, I, I've shared this with you a few weeks ago. I, I think they said in November the world's population surpassed 8 billion people. Just was a few years ago we surpassed 7 billion. That's how, how fast the population is growing. But, but I, I think I also mentioned to you that I looked up because the notion just entered my mind how many people have lived on the earth. And, of course, nobody knows for sure. But uh, 
Estimates range from 50 billion to 100 billion people have lived on the earth. So, you know, do with that what you will. But the point I want to make is, that's a lot of people. And we are celebrating the birth of one child. Remarkable. Why are we celebrating the birth of this one child? Because there's never been another one like it. In the thousands of years before, in the thousands of years since, there's never been another birth like the birth of this child. Out of 50 to 100 billion people, I, I, I think that's quite remarkable, don't you? And so this morning, for the next few minutes, I want to answer the question, why is the birth of Christ unique? Why do we have this celebration? Why is this such a big deal? I think that's a good thing to know, don't you? More than, well, you know, that's what my parents did and my grandparents did. And, you know, we have, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting to consider the different uh, family traditions and celebrating Christmas. You know, do you open gifts on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning or somewhere in between the middle of the night, you know? And, uh, you know, do, what else do you do? What activities do you? Every family's different. And so we do things because often they've been passed on to us. But the tr truth of the matter is there needs to be a reason beyond, hey, it, it just feels good, you know? Oh, oh, people are so excited and people are kinder to one another, which I think is a debatable point this month, but you be the judge of that. But uh, there, there needs to be a reason more than, oh, we, we just like a good celebration, don't you think? I think so. And so, uh, w this morning we're going to examine the question, why uh, in all the births of history is the birth of Christ unique? The first reason we find here in this passage is that the birth of Christ is unique because it fulfilled Old Testament prophecy spoken 700 years before he was born. Now what is prophecy? By prophecy we mean the prediction of something, to tell something in advance. True prophecy is supernatural, for God alone knows the future before it happens. Did you know that? To God, all of time, everything that happens, what you eat for lunch today, what you uh, uh, do this week, what happens next month, next year, ten years from now, God knows it all. So prophecy, but we don't. We don't know it all, do we? So prophecy is supernatural. And the birth of Christ was prophesied, it was foretold 700 years before he was born. As a matter of fact, there are over 300 prophecies, messianic prophecies. The Messiah, of course, was the promised one uh, who would come to be born to deliver his people from their sins. And uh, there are over 300 messianic prophecies uh, in the Old Testament. And the odds, I'm told, and again, this is another thing I don't know how they calculate, but the odds of one person fulfilling all 300 of these prophecies is something like uh, one out of, if you can imagine, 84 uh, with, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, one out of, yeah, 84 with uh, 20 sets of zeros after it. Something like that. It's, it's astronomical. And yet the birth of Christ is unique because he fulfilled every one of those prophecies. 
In Isaiah 7, 14, uh, the prophet said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. 700 years before he was born, the Old Testament prophesied that a virgin would conceive and give birth to a son. Now, uh, a lot of people make predictions, right? You ever, you ever read books that predict what's going to... Uh, and you could probably go to some newsstand and see what some uh, you know, so-called prophet predicts about 2023, can't you? If you really wanted to waste your money on something. And, you know, cataclysmic weather and political upheaval. You don't need to be a prophet to, <laughs> to, to foretell that, do you? You know, and, and all these things. And, 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 uh, but they don't come true. What's the test of whether or not prophecy is true, is, is authentic by whether or not it comes true? And not only was it prophesied 700 years before Christ that a virgin would conceive, but that prophecy was fulfilled. In John 1.14, uh, John says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John wrote the, the, the word, which, which the word is from the logos, the word which means the, the pre-existent one, the expression of God. He, we have seen him. He became flesh and we beheld him. We saw him with our own eyes. Hebrews chapter 1, uh, the first two verses says, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. Church, this is a prophecy that has come to fruition. It's a prophecy that has taken place. The reality has come. You know what it's like to wait for something, Right? Uh, and, and if you have little kids at home, man, they're just, they're just waiting for Christmas, right? When will it be Christmas Day? When can we open our gifts? They're waiting. But can you imagine that one says in another place in Isaiah, the people waiting in darkness have seen a great light. The truth is all of creation was waiting for the promised one. Because as it says elsewhere in Hebrews, the blood of bulls and goats that were offered according to the, to, to the prescribed ritual, the blood of bulls and goats could never t fully take away sin. They were only a foreshadowing, a type of the Lamb of God who would come and die once and for all for our sins. And so all of creation was waiting. Creation was waiting in darkness. You know that period between the Old Testament and New Testament, it, it was 400 years. It's called the 400 silent years because there's no a written biblical record and all of creation was groaning and waiting and longing for the promised one to come the one who was prophesied would that prophecy ever come true but I'm here to tell you it did come true the baby was born in a in Bethlehem the Savior has come the Messiah has come hallelujah every word of the prophets has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ's birth is different from every other birth because it was prophesied 700 years before he was born. It fulfilled Old Testament, the Old Testament prophecy of Emmanuel, God with us. 
I can even go back longer than 700 years. You remember in the Garden of Eden when man and women sinned against God and sin uh, was uh, brought into the world? Genesis 3.15 says uh, that uh, the one would come, that God would send his son and that uh, the, the serpent would bruise his heel, but he would crush the serpent's head. Hallelujah. God with us. And so we need, to, we need to recognize. Some people say, well, you know, so, you know some people don't like celebrations. I'll be glad when the Christmas is over. And, and, and granted, what, what, what we human beings are made of it sometimes, you know, we, we, we make it a, a bit of a slog sometimes with all the, the, the responsibilities and obligations we put upon ourselves, right? And, and it can feel that way. It can feel a hassle in the gift giving and the, the, the buying and the wrapping and the, uh, the, the events and, and all the things and the visiting and the traveling, you know, that's... Uh, and it could seem like a slog, like a hassle sometimes. But you know, in the midst of all that, it should be a celebration. Because this is a big deal. Matter of fact, this is the biggest deal in all of history. Because there's no greater tragedy than the fact that mankind was lost in his sin, that we were lost, that we were helpless. We couldn't lift ourselves up by our own bootstraps, but God did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Hallelujah. He sent a Messiah. He sent a Savior. And just like the prophets prophesied, Messiah has come. The Savior has come. It's a big deal today. It's, it's, it's the most important news in the history of the world. A Savior has come. Hallelujah. And he did what no one else could do in fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. Christ's birth was unique. What's the second reason Christ's birth is unique in the history of the world? It's unique because he was born of a virgin. Now I know a lot of people in our day and age, they hear this and they just scoff. You religious fanatics. You're still holding on to that fantasy. You're still holding on to that, uh, that uh, fable. Well, call it a fantasy if you want. Call it a fable if you want. But I'm still believing it today. How about you? Jesus was not born by natural means. He had no earthly father. He was conceived of a virgin by the creative power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that he existed... In eternity passed before he was physically born. In John chapter 8, verses 57 through 58, You are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, meaning Jesus, and you have seen Abraham, as Jesus claimed. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was born, I am. Before Abraham was born, I am. That's a powerful statement. And, and when Jesus said, I am, he was declaring himself to be God. See, we have to understand that. God was the I am. God was the eternally existent one. God doesn't exist in time. God exists outside of time. 
He, he, he doesn't have a past, present, or future. We experience that. He doesn't. He just is. And so when Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, he was claiming to be the eternally existent one. And the scripture says in John, right after that, the Jews picked up stones to stone him because they knew he was claiming to be equal with God. He existed before he was born on this earth. Also, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephratathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. The Son of God was coexistent with the Father and the Holy Spirit uh, throughout all eternity. He was eternally existent. But his birth, his human birth, was a miracle, a virgin birth. The Virgin Mary provided the eternal Christ with a human body. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. There's never been a birth like it before or since, as I said before. Oh, oh, the ways of God. Do you ever marvel at the ways of God? They're just so incredible. Heard a story about a farmer who sat under a walnut tree to get rest from the noonday heat. As he sat there, he looked at his pumpkin vines. And he said to himself, does God really know what he's doing? He put big, heavy pumpkins on those frail vines, and they're so heavy, the vines hang down, the, the pumpkins hang down to the ground, they rest on the ground. And yet, he, he put those little walnuts on top of a tall tree uh, that uh, can, uh, a tree that can hold a man. And he put these little tiny walnuts up there and pumpkins on the ground. Hey, I, does God even know what he's doing? All of a sudden, a little puff of wind blew a walnut off of the tree he was sitting under and it hit him on the head. He said, boy, I'm sure glad that wasn't a pumpkin. I guess God does know what he's doing. You see, the ways of God are past finding out. We arrogant human beings, we just think we have everything figured out, don't we? We have evolved and we're so sophisticated uh, and, and we just have it all figured out. Let me tell you, the Bible says in one place, God sits up in heaven and laughs. He must get a kick out of us with our so-called wisdom, don't you think? In one place, God says, my ways are not your ways. No kidding. The, the miraculous, the plan of God to have his holy son be born of a virgin to be a sinless one. The ways of God are past finding out. Somebody said, well, Pastor Tim, you haven't really explained the virgin birth. That's because I can't. You can't explain a miracle. You can't explain the supernatural. All you can do is marvel at it. All you can do is be amazed. And I say this probably every year now, but in the hustle and bustle, in the busyness of the Christmas season, church, we need to take time to marvel at the miracle of the virgin birth. 
We need to take time from our, 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 our busyness and our planning and, and, and all the things that go into the season, and we just need to take time to worship at the manger like the wise men did, just to revel in the, and marvel in the wisdom of God, the miracle of the virgin birth. You and I can't fully explain it. We can't completely understand it, but we can be amazed by it. We can marvel at it, and that's why we worship. That's why we celebrate, because Almighty God does all things well. Hallelujah. Galatians says that uh, he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. We're going to get into that in a minute. But God had a plan right from the beginning of the age. And this child was born of a virgin. No other birth like it. We need to marvel. We need to be amazed at the mystery of it. We hear the words virgin birth. Oh, if you grew up in the church, man, I've heard that since, I can, my, since my earliest memory. And that's a good thing. We should teach our children downstairs. Right now we're being taught about the virgin birth of Christ. And that's as it should be. But let us not become so used to the concept, used to the phrase, that we fail to marvel at it. You know how they, uh, how, how they uh, inoculate you against a disease. They give you a little touch of it. So you build up antibodies. Sometimes we get so, we, 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 we get inoculated to the gospel. We get inoculated to the mystery and the wonder of the virgin birth because we're so used to it. Let's not let that happen. Let's marvel at, at, the, at the birth of our Savior, this miracle that God performed for you and for me. There's never been a birth like it, and there never will be. The birth of Christ is so unique. What's the third uh, reason the birth of Christ is unique? It's unique because he was born to die for the sins of others. He was born to die... For the sins of others. In verse 21, it says, She will give birth to a son. You are give, to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. What a, what a powerful, powerful word. What is sin? Don't hear a lot about sin nowadays, do you? Theologian, several years ago, decades ago, wrote a book entitled, Whatever Became of Sin? because you just don't hear about it. And certainly in our day and age, our culture says there's no, no such thing as sin. Whatever you want to do, whatever you feel to do, go ahead and do it. But the Bible says there's such a thing called sin. Sin is disobedience to God's perfect law. It is the breaking of His righteous commandments. The main New Testament word for sin in the Greek is harmartia. It literally means to miss the mark, to fail. A, a, a sinner fails to attain the real purpose of his life because he's got this sin problem. And the Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Do you realize that? All eight billion of us plus on the planet have failed. We've sinned. We've fallen short. We have this sin problem. And uh, that, that, that's a real problem. See, we think we have problems. There's not a greater problem than a sin problem. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ezekiel 18.4 says, The soul who sins is the one who will die. Sin, uh, which we all uh, come into the world with a sin nature, sin carries a death sentence. 
Now, what is death, spiritually speaking? It's eternal separation from Almighty God. And we all come into this world with that hanging over our heads. Talk about starting out with a disadvantage. <laughs> we come into the world with, with a death sentence hanging over our head, literally. You say, Pastor Tim, that's so morbid for Christmas. You should be joyful. Well, I just got to tell it like it is. Amen? Jesus was born to die because we have this sin problem. But thanks be to God, God sent his son Jesus to be born of a virgin, the sinless one. Why? He was born to die for our sins. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He took our place. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Think about this for a moment. Talk about the, the, the majesty of the plan of God. He came, he was born of a virgin, so he lived a sinless life. He wasn't tainted with original sin, lived a sinless life, and he paid the penalty for our sins. The sinless one dying for the sinful. I, I, I can't wrap my head around that. And again, we've become so used to the, 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 the elements of the gospel, but sometimes we, 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 just, we just don't recognize the, the magnitude, the profundity of it. He paid for my sin. He paid for your sin. He didn't have to do it. He didn't deserve it. It wasn't fair. It seemingly wasn't just, but he paid the price for your sin. He did what we could never, ever do for ourselves. It just boggles the mind. No one else, no one else was born to pay for the sins of someone else. Unique in all of history. And how do we appropriate that? How, what do we realize with that? Think, think about this. Remember when Jesus had been scourged and he was brought before the people and Pilate said, here is this man Jesus who claims to be king of the Jews and here is this man Barabbas who was a known criminal. And it was custom to release one prisoner or the other. Barabbas was a notorious criminal. And the people yelled, release unto us Barabbas. Release unto us Barabbas. And about Jesus they said crucify him. And so Barabbas was released. I don't know if this ever happened, but I imagine Barabbas, if he was present at the crucifixion, could look upon Jesus and say, he took my place. The reality is each and every one of us today need to come to terms with the fact that he took our place. Amen? Amen. And how do we receive this gift? How do we appropriate it? Well, Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. One thing we have to do, we can't earn it, we can't be good enough, 
We can't do anything to wash away our own sin, but we have to do one thing. We have to invite Jesus into our hearts. Amen? We have to receive that gift. You know, someone could come to my house and come onto my front porch and ring my doorbell. And I could look outside the window and see them out there. And they have a big box with a, with a Christmas wrap on it, a nice bow and ribbon. And they're ringing my doorbell. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I can figure out. They're ringing my doorbell. They got this big wrap box. They're bringing me a present. Right? You could, you could figure that out, right? So I go to the window, I look at isn't that nice? So-and-so brought me a present. Wow. And then I go back to doing what I was doing. You know, watching TV or, or reading a book or something. And I don't answer the door. How absurd is that? Which one of you would ever do that? But that is exactly what people do when it comes to receiving the gift of Christ. They come to a service like this or they watch online. They sit, hear the carols, they sing the carols. They might even read the scripture verses, the nativity story. They might have a nativity set up in their front yard. And, and they, they drink in, they absorb all the trappings of Christmas and they know the gospel story. And, and you know, just like me looking out that window, oh, God gave me a wonderful gift. It's so wonderful. But they don't open the door. They don't receive the gift. And so we have to receive the gift. We have to open the door. We have to invite him in and say, Lord, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I receive your gift. I don't deserve it. I could never earn it, but, but you offer it to me and I receive it. We do the asking, he does the forgiving. And the Bible says when we receive him, when we ask him to come into our hearts, he washes away all our sin, hallelujah. Did you know that? Past, present, and future. He forgives us. He cleanses us. The Bible says he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He makes us new within. He justifies us. The Bible says elsewhere, there's so many scriptures. The Bible says he throws our sin in the sea of his forgetfulness. Now God's omniscient. He, he knows everything. But, but it, it, when it comes to our sin, it's as if he puts it in a compartment that he will never access because he just says that is gone. That is in the place of my forgetfulness. I don't remember it. When I see you, I don't see you in, in terms of your sins and the mistakes you've made and the failures and the shortcomings. I see you with the blood of my son Jesus Christ washing over you. I see you as my child. I see you as the redeemed. I see you as the blood washed. That's how he sees us. Hallelujah. Talk about something worth celebrating today. Hallelujah. Praise God. We do that, don't we? We look at people in terms of their failures. Well, I remember what so-and-so did on Christmas Eve, you know, 1978. And I'm never, you know. God doesn't do that. Not if, not if we accept him. His birth is unique because he came to die for our sin, to pay the penalty for us. So this morning, as I conclude this morning, you may be here, you may say, Pastor Tim, 
boy, you're, you're preaching to the choir this morning. You're, you're sharing stuff that we know. Yeah, but you know what? I, 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 don't, I don't think there's ever comes a time when we just say we, 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 we know the gospel so well that we don't proclaim it. I think we need to hear it. I think we need to understand why the birth of Christ is the greatest event in all of history, why we celebrate it, why it's a big deal, why it's so important. We need to surrender to him, some for the first time. Often we need to surrender afresh to him. We need to realize the significance, the uniqueness of his birth. It was prophesied hundreds of years before he was born. It was uh, a virgin birth, a miraculous birth that we can't fully understand. It doesn't fit our, we don't have a compartment for it. It doesn't fit, but it's a miracle. And we need to take time to worship at the manger this Christmas, just to marvel at the ways of God that are past finding out. A unique, a, a, a miraculous birth. And then remember that the reason he was born, the reason he came, was to die for our sins. He did a lot of things. He showed us how to live. He taught us. We have his words. Those are all so powerful. But the main reason he came was to offer his life, the sinless for the sinful. Thank God he came. Thank God a Savior has come. We don't have to wander around in darkness. It's a dark world, but we can celebrate the light has come.